told the Holy Spirit this morning that you have full confidence in him. Just tell him in your words. He's here. Just tell him you have full confidence in him. Not a partial confidence in him and then the rest in yourself or your own intelligence or your own ability to piece things together. Just say, Lord, I have full confidence in you. My confidence in you is you. My boast is you. My all is you. Holy Ghost, you know us. You know our frame. You know our weaknesses. You know our struggles. You know our challenges. We bring everything to you. <laughs> bring everything to you. We bring everything to you. And we say you are our confidence. You are our hope. You are righteousness. You are our help. You are our strength. Thank you. Thank you. That you have chosen to tabernacle with us in, in, in the way we are. Knowing fully well that you can make us what we are supposed to be. So we thank you. Thank you for your workings in every area of our lives. The ones that are far along, the ones that are just starting. The ones you have completed, the ones you plan to start soon. We thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We are nothing without you. There is no sermon without you. There is no church without you. There is no life outside you. So we thank you. And we ask for more of you. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. More of you, Jesus. That your presence will be more real to us every day. We'll know you more. We'll see you more. We'll relate with you more. We'll hear you more. Loud and clear. In our spirit and in our ears. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is one of those days that I won't mind sitting, actually, to be honest. Uh, it is well. If I need a chair, I'll let you know. <laughs> For just giving you advance warning. So you don't look like what's going on with your pastor this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've been studying prayer. And I must say that Every spiritual exercise that we do would never be complete without the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter if you pray. Even when you pray, there must be the input of the Spirit. You know, these are things we've been learning for almost five weeks now. I showed us the, the layout of the tabernacle, how it is impossible to do anything on the altar of incense if the menorah is not on on your left if the table of showbread and the drink offering poured out symbolizing Christ and his sacrifice if those things are not there you cannot stand before the altar of incense and I want to start today by showing us an example in Second Chronicles chapter 26 
Second Chronicles chapter twenty six. Going to really read the whole story there, probably the entire chapter. <sighs> Hallelujah. Can I please have some water? Okay. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Elot and restored it to Judah after that the king slept with his father. Verse 16. Six, verse 3, sorry. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Thank you. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath. I want us to follow this guy's story. Please open your Bible and read. Follow his story. 16-year-old becomes king. And now we start to see the exploits that he starts to do. From that verse, don't forget that in verse 5 he says, okay, let me continue from, let me start from verse 3 again. So 16-year-old was desire when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem, 52 years. His mother's name also was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding. in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabnel and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod and among the, and among the Philistines. And God helped him against and God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gobal and the Mehunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Verse 9. Moreover, let me jump because of time. You see all these things, and then you get to verse 15. It says, And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men, to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. And his name spread far and abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So basically, when you see armor tanks today, remember it was Uzziah that invented the first ones. Then verse 16 it says, But when he was strong, Everybody say when he was strong. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar 
of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him four score priests of the Lord that were valiant men. They, so the, this Azariah the priest went in. Then there were also four score. Four score is how many people? Eighty. So eighty other people also went with him, and uh, this Bible calls these people valiant men. And what they did was that they went to resist the king. He took about 81 people to go and deal. The Bible says, and they withstood him. And they withstood Uzziah, the king, and said unto him, It appertained not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that were consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be to thine honor from the Lord. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, he himself hasted also to go out. Because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. And dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So his sin here was that... He had gone so big, he had gone so mighty, he was strong and powerful now. And decided, okay, there's a terrain that I have not conquered, there's something I have not done. I'm going to offer incense, I'm going to take over the job of the priest. And when he did that, we all know the judgment that came upon him. That is to say that not everybody can offer incense. So though he was a king, he wasn't a priest. But you will see in the generations of the kings of Israel that there were people that could offer sacrifices even though they were kings. You have the, exam- the, the perfect example is King David. King David was a king. He was a priest. He was a prophet. Yet, he was born in Bethlehem, which was in the tribe of Judah. So he wasn't born a Levite. People like Moses, Aaron, Miriam, were born Levites, but King David was not. Yet, let me show you in First Chronicles chapter 15. Just follow me, and I pray the Holy Ghost would help us this morning. First Chronicles 15, from verse 25. It said, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obedidom with joy. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen and all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers and the Chenaiah and Chenaiah the master of the songs with the singers. David also had upon him an effort of linen. Efforts are part of the attire of 
of priests. But here was King David. This day, he wasn't dressed as a king. He was dressed as a servant. This was the day that they were carrying the Ark of Covenant to its rightful place. And according to his understanding of who God is, he knew that the, that day there is only one king in the neighborhood. And that king is the person whose hack we are carrying to the temple. So what does he do? He left his crown at home. Left his kingly regalia at home. And he took upon himself the outfit of a servant, a priest. And he was here together with all of them doing these things. Yet God didn't strike him with leprosy, even though he was dressed as a priest. Because King David had an understanding. He had a relationship. He, he, he had transcended the typical generic kingly boundaries by virtue of his, of his fellowship with God. And you go through the book of Psalms, you see, you know, when you read through this book of Psalms, you see priestly things, you see prophecies, so many prophecies about the Messiah, you see things about, about kingship, and you find all these things. But that was King David. But Uzziah was not like that. Uzziah had not grown in... In, he had only all the things he did, he did them on the, on the strength of the Adamic mandate. And he also did them on the strength of the covenant of his fathers with God. So he was, he was enjoying the sure mercies of David. And because he aligned himself with the principles of God, he was able to, all these inventions, all this strengthening of himself. He had mighty men. He had warriors. He was taking the cities of the Philistines like no man's business and all that. And eventually, he felt, okay, there's one, only one more frontier that had not conquered the job of the priest. But what the example of King David tells us is that even though he wasn't born a Levite, he, he grew in his relationship to that point where God allowed, gave him the benefits of people that were Levites. God gave him the allowances of people that were actually born as Levites. And you see such examples throughout scripture. You see the life of, of, of Prophet Moses. The instruction was, I priest, you can enter the only of, only of holies one time in a year. Whereas, someone like Prophet Moses had the privilege to go in even though it wasn't the high priest. Only number one, only the high, of all, number one, only Levites, Levites could go in. And of all the Levites, only the high priest could go in. And that high priest could only go in one time in a year. Yet, here was Prophet Moses, who, although he was a Levite himself, he was not the high priest. Aaron was. Yet, he could go in and have face-to-face -face communications with God. That means there, are, there is a way we can handle our relationship with God that we start to enjoy benefits and privileges of intimacy that might not be available to everybody else. Yes, there are rules. Yes, there are regulations. But God can place, God places men beyond certain things. 
above certain things on the strength of who they are. When every time Prophet Moses goes in, he doesn't even go with blood sacrifice. If Aaron goes in without blood, they will pull his dead body out of them. Yet, Prophet Moses could go in without blood and speak to God face to face. So, but yes, we know that King David was chosen, was a man after God's own heart, but uh, you know, what does it mean to be after someone's heart? You know, as you say, oh, my soul pants after you as the day and all that. It was that he was relentless in his pursuit to know God. He was relentless. He, he, was, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, no, he wasn't a case of seek God on Sunday, forget about him the rest of the week, and then come back on Sunday or come back midweek service. Beyond the typical offer sacrifices in, in the... In the in the in the temple and all that when men go beyond the prescribed then they start to get into levels with god that regular men do not get to you see all the sacrifices of the temple the bible will say okay bring two rams one for the burnt offering one for the sin offering kill one send one into the wilderness right when solomon was was sacrificing if that first chronicles if you read it they will, they will walk a few paces. They will sacrifice seven grams. Did God say, you broke the rule because I said bring one and you brought seven? Did God say that? When Solomon was, was, on the, was, was sacrificing 1,000 bullocks, did God come back and say, but I told you to do only one? What happened instead? God came in the night and said, what do you want? God does not ignore sacrifice. God does not ignore the extra mile you go. In fact, the extra mile ends up qualifying you for things that you might naturally not even qualify for. If Uzziah wanted to get into the place that someone like King David got to with God, where God didn't mind him doing priestly things, he needed to not just stand in the covenant that rested upon David that he was enjoying. It was that he needed to also go after God like David did. For all of us, many of us, there are covenants that hang over on our, on our heads. And by virtue of those covenants that are hanging over our heads, certain things will never happen to us. But beyond those covenants, now it is time for each and every one of us to start cutting our own covenants with God. You said this to my father. Okay. On the strength of that which you have said to my father, what are you now saying to me? How do we advance this thing? Now it has come. You know, your, your father's generation is not exactly your generation. So what, what, that, while that covering exists over you and your generation, there has to be things that you go to God for yourself that are now you-specific. Are we here? So that even though we say, let us pray, let us pray, let us pray, there must be things that you do that are beyond the things that everybody does. You know, Pastor Busi was mentioning this morning that when that you should listen to scriptures and all that and, and maybe check out other versions and all that. Wonderful. But there must be a way you do it that might not be what everybody else generally does. For example... I listen to script audio Bibles. But one of the things I do is I don't just go 
Genesis, Revelation, Exodus, Leviticus, like that. I listen to Genesis. I go back and listen to Genesis. Then move to Exodus. Then go back and listen to it. So I'm going back and forth twice before the next book. Twice and then the next book. Twice. And, and then you will be shocked that you weren't listening the first time. Or something that bothered you the first time. Then the only when you are listening the second time, then the Holy Ghost comes with the revelation of what was bothering you. But that might work for you. That might not work for you. You might have it is you in you probing with the Holy Ghost that okay, how do I go about this adventure in you? How do I go about that with you? Many, many children of God have become too comfortable. too comfortable to just stay under the umbrella of the church. Whereas, your first priest is not the servant of God. Your first priest should be you. You should be your own priest. If you're a man that is married, then you are also not just your own priest, you're also a priest over your family. And if your duties extend beyond, wherever your influence reaches, you are a priest over that area of influence, but everybody, male or female, you there must be a level of of priesthood of relationship with God that is going on with you beyond what we do here. We meet on Sundays. We do Bible study on Wednesdays. We do prayer meeting uh, Saturday. We do vigil once in two weeks, three hour prayers, and all. All of those are good, and I want to say that those are things that. Probably a lot of the average believers do not even do. But beyond all of that, the question becomes, what are you doing? You've got the story of ten virgins. The Bible says five were wise, five were foolish. They were all virgins. That is to say they were all born again. So it wasn't like five were not born again, five were not born. All ten were born again. The difference was that. And all of them slept. So all of them were born again. All of them slept. That means there will be situations might come. And it wasn't obvious. Lord have mercy. It wasn't obvious who was wise, who was foolish. You know that if the bridegroom came early, there would have been no discussion of who was wise, of who was foolish. So he came, they oh. You know, so all of them were prepared for the bridegroom to come on time. And then bridegroom did not turn up on time. So at some point, everybody started to sleep. But, you know, even when men sleep, even when men sleep, even physically, you know there are times that maybe you've, you've done a lot of prayers and you sleep. And, and maybe in your sleep, like a battle happens. You are sleeping, but you still win. You understand me? The reason you will still win, even though physically you are sleeping, is because there were things you had done earlier that had put your spirit at a certain place where Satan could not conquer it. You understand me? So, so all of them had, all of them were virgins. All of them slept. But before all of them slept, some had made investments that spoke for them, even though they were slumbering. Because normally they shouldn't have been sleeping. 
But because the delay was so long and they were tired of standing around and all that, fourth person said, let me just sit down here and rest my back. Second one said, let me. before you knew it, all of them were asleep. Yet, because of the investments that some of them had done earlier, when it was time to wake up, all of them woke up. And those ones that had extra went to the oil and quickly poured it in. Bible verses that you don't know, they are not going to suddenly turn up the day you need them. You understand that? Prayers, you have no, if you have not been praying, if you are someone that has, can, has not been praying 40 minutes, one hour, or more, whatever, the day you are going to need to, that's the day you will find out that your strength is small. That day you need it, you will pray, 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 you open your eyes and realize you've been praying for just 15 minutes. You'll be so discouraged, you will quit. Or maybe you, your spirit will not even be strong enough that your emotions would have overwhelmed you that you won't be able to even start praying in the first place. It is in the day of battle that we know who is strong and who is weak. So if, it, it doesn't matter what title you carry. It doesn't matter what everybody calls you. It is the day of battle that will reveal the gen- person that was made a general because his uncle is the president. It's okay. The day war comes, the strategy in his head or the lack of strategy in his head, are we not going to find out? Will his uncle help him that day? Lord, help us in Jesus' name. So there are three major, um, if you like, call them components or, or, or makeup of whatever, of a priest that can offer incense. And basically the three are, are, are like in three categories. A person, an outfit, and an action. What qualifies a, what qualifies a person to be like to 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 do priestly duties and let me you know let me first establish the fact that prayer is a priestly duty prayer i've shown us before over these few weeks that you know it is number one it is the priest that stands in front of the altar of incense. the guy that was not the priest that tried it we saw how it ended became leprous all his entire day so it is a priest that stands to offer altar. So when you are standing before God in prayers, you are standing as a priest. The problem is if you are not a priest standing as a priest, God is not going to hear you. That's why God, the only prayer God will hear of a sinner is the prayer of what? Of repentance. Save me. That's what God is going to hear because a, a sinner standing in front of the altar of incense and is trying to offer Anything else that is apart from Lord, have mercy on me, Lord, save me, is only looking for trouble. So you must first stand as a priest and then you proceed. And you know, like I said, the person, the outfit, and the action. So, number one, the person. The person speaks of lineage, speaks of origin. If you look at Romans chapter 8, we'll read two verses from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 15. Let me read verse 15. Say, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So the first thing that qualifies us to stand before God as a priest to offer incense of prayers is the fact that our lineage, our origin is right. We are adopted. 
And that verse says that this we have received the spirit of adoption. That is the Holy Ghost. Where it we can cry, Abba, Father. So when you go to God in prayer, you, you know many nights, like when Jesus was teaching us, our Father who art in heaven. So if you have not received the spirit of adoption, that would make you cry, Abba, Father, and that God will hear you. You are not yet the person. You are not yet the right person. You are not yet in the mold of somebody that offers incense to God. If you also read verse 29 in that chapter, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to, that, to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the Lord Jesus Christ went from, you know, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his what? Only begotten son. But now, in this passage, we have gotten to the point now where Jesus is no longer the only son of God. He is now the firstborn among many brethren. Those are things that show us our origin, our lineage now. Because in the Old Testament, you had to be a Levite. But as far as God was concerned, God, David was a spiritual Levite. So it didn't matter to God that he wasn't born by the lineage of Aaron or whatever. The fact that he had worked with God enough. And you know, the story of David is such an interesting one because he was... When when you think about it, you have a family of seven. How come it is the youngest son that was the one watching the sheep? Have you thought about it? Why is it that it was the smallest of them all the the, 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 the the key to the economy of the home was handed to the smallest son, David. He was just what? A young person, a teenager, and he's the one in charge. So, okay, what did they did it ever occur to them that some people could go there, grab him, kill him, and take all the sheep? He was just a teenager. But he was the one who was handed. But in the experience, and you know, if you've read anything about the life of a shepherd, except you are with other shepherds, it's a very lonely life. You, you, if you, you've read the story of Jacob, he would say he, he was in the cold, he was in the heat. If any wild animal caught one of the sheep and hurt it, he had to replace it from his home to Laban. He never had to. He, he could never report a loss. To Laban, and so you look at. Imagine now, David, young man, is in the desert himself, trying to feed sheep. He has to watch over them. He's out there in the winter, in the cold, in the whatever, dealing with all of that. And in that old pain, he starts. He starts to. Fight. He looks up one day, sees the sun, the moon, and says, "God, if you, we've heard the stories. Where are you?" And so that's where the communion with God started for David in the backside of the desert when he was alone and all he could hear was the bleating of sheep. So that when he eventually misbehaved, God said, you've forgotten where I picked you from. So there is the person that we've just looked. There's also the outfit which we studied last week, talking about the whole armor of God. There is the way the priest must dress. The priest cannot go into the temple wearing jeans. He cannot even go there wearing a suit. He has to dress according to the specification that God gave. That means when we approach God, we must approach God the way God said we should approach him. 
you know one of the challenges with the world today is that everybody has an idea of who god should look like people say okay this is what god should look like it needs to be kind it needs to be merciful you've yes people say if god really exists why are people suffering you've heard those so they are their picture of God is a God who is merciful, who is kind, who doesn't allow anybody to suffer. Thereby, ignoring the law of action and reaction, ignoring the law of, of actions and consequences, because, and also re- removing responsibility from man. Uh, God must just be nice to everybody, regardless of, of, uh, of what men do. So everybody has a, a picture of, of who the ideal God should look like. Whereas God himself has explained over and over who he is. So God is out here saying, this is who I am. People are saying, no, this is who you should be. And then they wonder why God is not responding to them the way they think he should be. You cannot violate the covenants of God and the commandments of God and expect him. You understand me? If you, if you, if you, if God says this is where I am, believe him. Let me ask you a question. If somebody comes visiting your house and says, or oh, maybe, maybe like oh, somebody is stranded, and the person says, and the person knocks on the door and says, it's snowing outside and I'm stranded. Help me. How many of you would want to help the person? How many of you would have compassion on that person? You won't feel bad for the person. You open the door, it's snowing outside and there's somebody at your door saying, help me, I'm dying. How many of you will feel so sorry for the person? So you, number one, you feel sorry for the person. and you, So you might say, um, come in, let me make you hot tea. Because you are freezing. You could do that, right? You could say, okay, sit beside the eater. You could do that and all that. Okay, let's now say this person, <laughs> this person, now it's time to sleep. And maybe you are thinking, hmm, okay, maybe we can let him sit, sleep in the living room tonight, tomorrow morning. Especially if he says, um, I'm on my way to somewhere, I will get the bus in the morning and that. How many of you will consider letting him just sleep in the living room? You will consider that. What if he says, I, I have a challenge? And my challenge is that, no, that my challenge is that I must steal something. Mm-hmm. Where did your compassion go? <laughs> so now, because the man has said he has a challenge, and his challenge is, is he must nick something. <laughs> Suddenly, you are not as compassionate as 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 you were. <laughs> Hallelujah, <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, so that means there. That's why you know God's compassion is different. God has God. You know, a song says, "You look past my sin, my guilt, my shame, and poured your love." God has seen, God has considered how awful you can be. That if you, if you, if your life went left, if you decided you are going to go left, 
this is how bad you can get. Beyond how left your life has gone, God loves you anyway. So the person says he can steal. And you suddenly think, okay, my phone, my laptop, my my iPad, my school fees, the little pounds I have left. You do all the calculations and you're like, chief, uh, you might have to get out. <laughs> You might have to say get, you know, but it's still snowing outside. <laughs> yeah? Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. What do you think Jesus would have done? Yeah, Jesus would have sat him down and explained to him the danger of stealing. The Lord would have shown him so much compassion that by the time Jesus finishes talking to him, the idea of stealing. Not just because of speech, but because there will be the power available to change that person. That means beyond all our eloquence, beyond all our niceness, beyond all the fact that we don't sin and all that, there must be power available to change things. There must be power available to change things. How many of you know that if you step outside after service now, see a crippled person and say, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give you. In Jesus' name, rise up. You think that person will come to church on Sunday? Or you meet someone as you are going and some and, and the Holy Spirit prompts you that that person is going to is upset because something happened to the sister and all that. And you sit next to the person on the bus and you say, oh, the Lord told me that A, B, C, and D are your challenges. But he said, I should tell you that it's going to be okay. When you get home today, this is what you find, this is what you find, this is what you find. You think that person won't come and find him. Oh, by the way, uh, we do service on Sunday if you want to come and find him. You think that person will come and find you the next Sunday? So, beyond there are there are I'm I'm an advocate of doing things that would you know make the gospel accessible to everybody. But in the book of Acts one eight, what did what does Acts one eight say? It says you will receive after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the world. What Jesus promised was. And that is one of the things we must contend for. Nobody runs away. You know what they say? They say that power is very attractive. You've seen women running after some of these people and you're wondering how? How did how did this have you seen it before? That you look at the guy and you look at the you've seen out you've you've seen it before all these rich old men with their pot bellies and you see them um, 23-year-old models on the left, another 22-year-old on the and you are wondering what, what's, what permutation is. <laughs> People that you know, they are holding up to be their grandchildren. But because the man has money, the man has influence, the man has power, the man, his name can open doors. Suddenly, he has the kind of models that 
people the age of that you know what they say oh I, well you know it's typical when we're uni they usually say this when we're uni they'll say all the part one girls year one girls would would date final year guys <laughs> year two but so all the year one boys don't even bother <laughs> if you are still in year two also probably don't bother it's where you are getting to year three, year four that you might have some hope of finding a wife or something. <laughs> like, why? What did the final year students guys have that the year one guys didn't have? Experience and all these tutorials they were teaching. <laughs> you understand me. So this first thing is the person of the priest, the outfit of the priest, the whole armor of God. If, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, We've, we've, we did Ephesians 6 last week. I'm not going to emphasize on it. But we need to put on the whole armor of God. And then the third thing is the action of the priest. And the key action of the priest is offering prayers and praises. If you look at Luke chapter 9, Luke 9.29, it says, And as he prayed, this is one of action of the priest. It says, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's offering prayers. And the Bible says the fashion of his countenance was altered. That means because many times children of God think, Oh, I am this bad that I can't approach God. Whereas, what God is saying is that with all that you're bad that you think you are, you come closer and let us see if that baggage won't fall off. So, people are waiting to be good enough to come to the presence of God. Whereas, God is saying, come as you have and, and let, us, let us deal. The sacrifice of Jesus is for sinners. So if you do not class yourself as a sinner, do you qualify? So the qualification for coming to God and be saved is that you accept that you are a sinner. You don't say, you know, many people, that's the problem with, with salvation by works that some people say. Some people say you can do good enough for God to accept you. Whereas the scripture says that you should come as you are. God you take the sacrifice of Jesus, he accepts you, and on the basis of that new acceptance, you go out and do good works. So when you, when, when you, as children of God, when we do good works, we are not doing good works so that God can be nice to us. We are not good, doing good works so that God can accept us. We are already accepted. It's, it's, it's not like a case of, oh, if you, if you, if you, it's not like a case of if you're a good boy, then I'm going to adopt you. It is that I have adopted you and everything I have is yours. And on the, with that confidence now, that boy can go out and, and, and now act. It is, imagine trying to adopt a child and you say, okay, I'm going to watch you for two years. And if you, if you, if you cut it, if you make it in those two years, then I'll give you my surname. Is that what adoption looks like? No, you adopt the child, you stick your surname on that child, and the child legally has the same benefits as your biological children. And that child can now go out in the confidence that is accepted and loved. I can, I can now flourish. Such that things that child didn't have before, the child can now have. 
Do we understand? So you see Jesus here, he's praying and the fashion of his countenance is altered. When we pray, if there's something you are struggling with, pray. If there is a demon that comes and presses your neck in the middle of the night, it's okay. when he lets you go, pray. If there is something that you are doing that you know is wrong, and you, you, want, you, you, know, you want God to, to, you want help, you want to stop doing that thing, but you just can't find yourself to stop doing it. The key is that when you finish doing it, for example now, you want to stop drinking, but you cannot help yourself, you keep drinking. When you drink, when you wake up and you are sober, go on your knees and say, Lord, help me, help me, help me, please have mercy on me. You probably still go back and drink in the evening, Shay. Then when you finish drinking and you are sober again, lift up your jaw and say, please, I don't want to drink anymore, help me. The day will come that the invitation to come and drink will come. And suddenly now there is the strength to say, I'm not going to I was, I was talking to someone and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm amazed the way I don't even care much about football as like I used to. If someone told me that Arsenal will be playing and I won't care. And I'll, at the end they will say, you know, <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. And at the end I'll, they will say did they win? I will say did they win? And they will say oh, they didn't win. You know, oh, whatever. And I'm gone. There was a time I remember Arsenal Champions League, Arsenal Barcelona at that time that we went to watch at Anfield that Arsenal lost. Hey I cried from where I watched that game. I cried to my room. Now, if they win, wonderful. If they don't win, it is what it is. Because there are things that I found more use of my time for that are more rewarding than that. So, God... when you start to, if you don't need to, you don't, you can't, you can't save yourself. You cannot force yourself to be good. You can when people, how many of you did New Year resolution January 1? How many of you followed it? How many of you have, how many of you have said that this year I'm going to do some, one particular thing? Who, who here decided that this year they will blog very well? Or who decided that this year they would? Uh, what else do people do? No? You'll be more active on social media. You'll be the wisdom you'll be finding in the book of Solo, Solomon. You'll be you'll be dishing proverbs one by one. You know, you, you dish proverb and then you walk away. You come back the next day waiting for the comments. You know, things like that. How many people plan to do that? How many times have you done it? <laughs> so you cannot find in you. The strength to do these things are not there. But as you continue to expose yourself to the light of the Holy Ghost, abilities that you didn't know existed in you will start to turn up. The, uh, the, 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 the will to pray, as you initially you might be forcing it, that, that's why church has specific times of prayer. And, and it's always good to always occasionally, you know, stretch people like that because you won't know you can do it until you've done it the first time and you're like, oh, wow, I did that. You'll be surprised how many children of God cannot pray for 25 minutes because they feel that once they run out of words, it means the prayer has ended. No, 
You can pray in the spirit. Nobody is stopping you. So many things you can do. You know. So as children of God, we must, we must, rather than the struggle to help yourself, you know, the struggle to, for, I'm, I'm all for improving yourself. There are, you know, you can take, if God has called you to be a police, uh, uh, somebody that holds the mic, for example, there's nothing, there's really no crime in taking a course in public speaking, for example. You know, how to read visual cues, how to judge whether people are following or not. You can do those things. Those are nice things to do. So I'm not, going to, I'm not saying don't look to be better at anything you do. You should look to be more skillful in whatever skills you already have. But what I'm saying is that you must understand that ultimately the help is from the Holy Ghost. The, 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 many of the evils that have happened in this world have happened because some people could articulate words. Hitler, one of the greatest strengths of Hitler, that Hitler was that Hitler could talk you into shooting your own mother. You could look outside and, and you say, oh, this background is white. By the time Hitler is done talking to you, you will be asking yourself if this background is still white or pink. The man himself, where he himself wasn't that brave of a man because eventually when they were looking for him, once he saw that they were around, he swallowed cyanide pills and died. Well, at least, you know. But the man could stand before parliament and by the time he's done, all of you won't go and shoot your mothers at home. And then he can, he can rouse you and rouse you and say, let's go, let's, we can take Europe, we can do this. So, it is not the power is not in the eloquence. The for for us the power is that the Holy Ghost shows up. The power is not that I ca- it is wonderful being able to recite scriptures and you should strive to be able to recite scriptures. But if all you do is recite scriptures so you can come here and show us that your brain cells don't forget anything, you are not going to be, you are you'll be you'll be ministering to your own self. In fact, you won't be you will be massaging your own ego, thinking that you are doing a service to God. Conversely, you must also not now come unprepared to the presence of the Lord. So they say, come and take offering. And then you just go there as if all of you bring out your money, put it in the bin. Lord bless you. Bye. Anything you come to do in that, or you must do. There must be, there must be, a fire in the things you do. It doesn't mean you come here and start shouting. It is that there must be the tangibility that you have been with God. They looked at the disciples in Antioch and they concluded that hmm, these ones have been with Jesus. But prior to that passage, the interesting thing about that passage is that that comment came after Barnabas had gone to look for Saul and had brought him to Antioch and they started to teach people and all of that and teach people and help people and all that and train people up and it was from that business that Saul and Barnabas were doing. Eventually some prophets came from Jerusalem to join them but it was in that business of Paul and Barnabas training and equipping people that they looked at them and said, these ones must have been with Jesus. 
did was Paul with Jesus when Jesus was on earth. So how come they concluded that Paul had been with Jesus? How come? He wasn't, he wasn't even Jesus had to show up in the clouds and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And say, Who are you? If he knew it was just would you still say, Who are you? Who are you? They knew you are persecuted. It's hard for you to kick against the barbed wire. So it's not just is it, it, the fact that you can cultivate a relationship because Paul was saying later. That that he he, well, he didn't confer with flesh and blood. He went to Arabia for three years, and for three years it was him and Jesus. For three years it was just him, and Jesus. When Pastor was saying that you should read the book of the book of Ephesians is the is is like the pinnacle of the revelations of Paul. Like if you have an, a a good grip on the book of Ephesians. I said before, if somebody says I should choose one book of the Bible and just leave it alone. The revelations of John are powerful. I'll probably still choose the book of Ephesians anyway. I'm always conf- sometimes I'm conflicted between the books that are written by Apostle John because the revelations of the book of John also were but this but the reason they were able to write what they wrote was because they had extended time of fellowship with God. If you want a, a, a subtopic for today is the fact that you need to by yourself start to cultivate an extended time of relationship with God. Many of us don't have time. Many of us go to school, many of us have so many things we need to take care of. But you can pray that God would show you how you can plug spiritual exercises into your schedule. Some people go to gym. They go to the gym and they're on the treadmill. And one of the things I, I learned from people is that one of the things they do is that they play very hard. They play very hard rap music so that it can ginger them to keep going and keep going and keep going. You cannot play rap music or not that kind the one that they play anyway but you can play scriptures you and the holy ghost can have fellowship in your you can one of the things i do is that maybe i see a live ministration that is so powerful i download the mp3 i cut it the part that i like i cut i put on my phone put my earphones on leave it on replay so spiritual exercise because many times people are like um because i don't have time i i i can't i I can't schedule one hour it is you have to find a way to schedule an hour but also it's not it is not that after you've done that one hour you are done with the holy ghost until the next day there has to be what god prefers is that the communication is constant and consistent not that it is one-off you prayed. Satan is not afraid that you prayed in tongues for three hours today. If the next time you are going to do it is six months time, you understand me. What Satan is more afraid of your ten minutes tongue that you do every day. For example, if you if you if you if you say okay, I'm going to take ten minutes every day to pray in tongues, and you set an alarm 
all of us have phones you can set a gazillion alarm you set an alarm and say okay when is my lunch time lunch is between 12 and 1 okay from 12 okay from 12:20 to 12:30 i'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit for 10 minutes if you do it consistently every day after 6 months you will be better off than the guy that did 3 hours this month and forgot about it for the next 2 months and these spiritual things are such that if you don't continue to consistently do them you will lose them if I tell all of us now, let us we are going to pray in tongues for three hours for the next seven days. How many of you feel you can just do it? Or you feel like, ish, this will be a lot of work. But you've done it before. What happened? Did you die? But if I now come back, but because you have not done it in a while now, if I come back and say, let's do this, the, the first hour might be a grind, like, oh boy, when is this three hours going to, <laughs> when is it? But it's something you have done before. And the last time you did it, by the time you were getting to the third or fourth day, it didn't look that much of a big deal anymore. It did look like that. If you watch a football match last two hours of your life, where they are stressing you and your blood pressure is spiking and coming down and all that, if you had spent that time in the presence of God, God knows what would have happened to you. Of course, I'm not saying don't watch football. If you want to watch football, watch football. Bodily ex- exercise profits little. It didn't say it, didn't, it doesn't profit at all. So that little is part of it. Because y'all need to stay fit for the gospel also. Amen. Let me just stop here. We'll, we'll, we'll continue this. I didn't even get anywhere today, but it's okay. Just... Um, Respond to the Holy Ghost wherever you are this this morning, this afternoon. The Holy Ghost is always there. If you are born again, you definitely, definitely have the Holy Spirit. Whether it's Lord, whether it's truly Lord, whether it's truly God, that's, that's, that's another question entirely. But just speak to the Lord this morning. The Lord has told you, you know, the prophecy came and said, I am here. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Changing lives. But the fact that the Holy Ghost is here doesn't automatically mean that something would happen to or for you. It is in your engagement with him that things happen for you. It is, you know, Jesus was in the boat and he was sleeping. He had done his own prayers. He knew nothing could kill him. So he went to sleep. The disciples that had not done what Jesus did, they were the ones flailing and shouting and screaming and kicking. And when they realized that, ah, Chief, why are you chilling? Can't, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus didn't even answer them because that perishing was, he didn't even answer the question of perishing because the perishing was even out of the question. It was impossible for Jesus to perish. So he just got up, rebuked the wing, and I, I suspect he went back to sleep like, I'm done with this nonsense. It's not working for me. So just respond to God. There is the place in God you get to, where you can get to where even the wind will obey you, even the weather will obey you, even nature will obey you, even 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 creation would, would respond to you. Just respond to God this morning. We've been learning about prayer. We've been learning about prayer. Beyond all the learning, there is the actual opening of our mouths to pray. It doesn't matter how much you know about prayer. You won't really know prayer until you pray. 
you won't even really know what happens until you praise. We can tell you all our ex- people can tell you the, all the experiences. Oh, I prayed and this happened. Oh, I prayed and this happened. Yes, you have heard that, but you you still really do not know what prayer is until you pray. So say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. If there's a prayer you want to pray, ask that the Lord will set you on fire again. Just ask the Lord for fresh fire. Fresh fire upon your altar. If you if you study about the way the Old Testament uh, tabernacle was, God, it was God that will kindle the fire. But it was up to the priests to maintain that fire. The Bible says that the Lord told the priests that that fire must not go out. You must put you must put fresh fresh wood. It is it is not God was the one that lit the fire from heaven, but it was the responsibility of priests of men to continue to put wood so that that fire will not die. Don't fire, that fire must not die. Just pray that, Lord, rekindle my fire. If there's any area of my life that the fire has gone down, that fire has gone dim, show me how to put more wood in the fire. Show me how to expose my, how to, how to, how to tend that fire in the name of Jesus. Father, we receive grace to tend that fire. We receive grace to tend that fire. We receive grace to tend that flame. That will go into a, 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 it would explode into a full inferno in our lives, in our spirits, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Rise upon your feet as we start to think of closing this morning, this afternoon. I just want us to make a commitment to God. Just solemnly, just solemnly, just speak to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. There are many, many times that the Holy Spirit has tried to lead us that we, 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 have ignored, we've not followed. Just ask him this morning. Ask him to lead you. Ask him to forgive you of all the times that he has he has instructed you. Like you know, Dad was saying this morning, if you didn't obey the last instruction, why should the Holy Ghost give you another instruction? So just say, Holy Spirit, for those times I've ignored you, have mercy. But Lord, I've ha- I asked another that you lead me, the grace to hear you, and the grace to do what I've had. The grace to hear you, and the grace to do what I've had. The grace to hear you. And the grace to do what I've had. No matter how grievous. Sometimes you want to say something. And the Holy Ghost says. Mm, don't even. And then you go ahead and say it anyway. Just say Lord forgive me for those times. Or there are times when the Holy Ghost says open your mouth. And you didn't open it. Because of whatever reason. Say Lord have mercy on me. Give me the grace to actually to hear you and to obey you, to recognize your voice and to obey you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we are here and we are asking, lead us. For all those times that you've instructed us and we have said no, forgive us. Restore our channels of communication with you. The ones that are blocked, the ones that are clogged, the ones that have been severed. Lord, Holy Spirit, that you do a repair work in our hearing and our understanding, in our seeing. Help us to, that your voice will become unmistakable to us in the name of Jesus. And that you give us the strength to obey. 
As we see, you give us the strength to do that which you have said. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I bring your people before you, asking that you bless them this week. Unusual miracles, signs and wonders, help from unexpected places. In the name of Jesus. That people that don't even know them will do them good. In Jesus' name we pray.